Hello and welcome. My name's Mike. I'm the minister at Watch It Baptist Church. You're watching Watch It Baptist Church online. We're looking at, again at John's Gospel, at the signs in that Gospel. Signs being miracles, at least that's what they'd be called in other Gospels. But John wants to call them signs because he wants us to see that they mean something, they signify something. So they're referred to as signs and we've covered three of them already. We're covering the feeding of thousands today usually called the feeding of the 5,000 but given how often that the Gospels seem to want us to recognize that 5,000 men and a whole bunch of women and children were involved thousands feels like it's more appropriate somehow I did read a thing in preparing for this particular uh, teaching that said that some estimates place how many people were there at 12,000 that seems like an awful lot of people just to put it in context um, I think the uh, entire capacity of Exeter's home ground, Exeter City's home ground, is less than 12,000. So that's an awful lot of people. We're going to be looking at uh, the first 15 verses of John chapter 6. Uh, we're going to read them in just a moment, but let's pray first. Lord Jesus, you talked about feeding people and you met their needs. Would you meet our needs and feed us? Amen. Okay, so I'm reading from the NIV, and we're in chapter 6, beginning at verse 1. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is, the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him, because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test Philip, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, It would, be, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled twelve baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus, knowing they had intended to come and take him, make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. We're just going to start off with that reminder that John's Gospel is primarily about belief and about the identity of Jesus. Lodge those things in our minds so that we, we never come out of what the overall story is that John is trying to connect us with over and over again. It would seem very much that John's purpose is to give us clues 
but not clues like a detective would have to use them where eventually you might be able to find out what's going on. Instead, he wants us to give us clues that bring us continuously back to the same point or points. So he's constantly redirecting and referring us back to the same key truths of who Jesus is and of the challenge of belief. As ever, it's worth having a little think about context. So for this chapter, it's worth considering what's happened in the previous one. And we looked at that last time. Jesus was not recognised by the man he healed, which is important because John warns us of this in the prologue in chapter one, that the the people he comes to, although his own, would not recognise him. He's also not accepted by the Jewish leaders. And although he um, defends himself by recognising the relationship he has with his father, that seems to only make things worse. I also want to just take a quick look back into John 1 for two other things. In John 1, 20 to 21, uh, we have a bit of dialogue, an encounter that John the Baptist has with the people that he's preaching to. So the Jewish people encounter him and he's charismatic and driven and preaching a really radical message. And so they say to him, are you the prophet? And he says, no. Now, it might be that we need to remind ourselves of what is meant by the prophet. I think it's going to be worth doing that in a little moment or two's time. We also want to have a quick look at how John the Baptist in John 1, this time in verses 35 and 36, uh, is with his disciples at one point. And he sees Jesus passing and says, look, the Lamb of God. Now, it's important that we identify the identification, identify the identification, that we notice the identification of the prophet and that we notice the Lamb of God reference. Because John wants us to notice in verse 4 here that we are at around Passover time. So John is going to be giving us link points to Passover. What John doesn't tell us, and presumably that's because he, his audience he would expect to know how this works, what he doesn't tell us is that Passover was a time not just of religious celebration but also of nationalistic identity. It was a patriotic festival. It really played to the heart of the way Jewish people saw themselves as God's people but also as a nation themselves. So very quickly nine things to note. Number one this story is found in all four gospels. Did you know that only the crucifixion and the resurrection are also found in all four gospels? There's not a lot that happens everywhere but this does. All four gospel writers want us to notice it. Secondly, this takes place in a wilderness area. So it says up on a mountainside. Uh, In one or two translations, it says the mountain, which makes it sound like it's the same place that Jesus keeps going back to. But it's a mountainside. It's not not a thing where uh, it's an area of livestock being um, grazed or of cattle, of of crops being raised or any of that kind of thing. It's, it's It's a wilderness area. And that is one of our links to... Um, Passover because Passover reminds us of the story of the exodus of God's people out of Egypt through the wilderness and into the promised land 
it's worth noticing that crowds are following Jesus because of the signs. Now, again, uh, John has told us a couple of times about this, this tendency that the Jewish people have to follow him because they like the the magic show. They like the, the miracles he does. And very often it doesn't lead to belief. They're following him for that reason. But importantly, they're following Jesus. And here we have another echo of Passover and the story that it tells. So as... Uh, the Jewish people, the people of God, the people of Israel come out of Egypt in the Exodus. They follow their leader who is Moses and they follow him across the desert. Um, and they also follow the pillar of fire at night and the pillar of cloud by day. Um, so Moses, the prophet, and God lead them through that wilderness. Let's also notice that Jesus tests Philip. I think this is fascinating. It doesn't say why he felt he needed to, uh, but it was important for him to, to um, say to Philip, so what am I going to do? And Philip is entirely distracted from who Jesus is and all he's encountered about Jesus by an immediate crisis. Next, uh, when it says, um, Philip says more than half a year's wages would be needed, that's because he actually refers to 200 denarii. Now, a denarii was a one-day wage coin. So each day that you worked, you earned a denarii. So that's 200 days' wages, uh, which is obviously more than half a year. Andrew takes a slightly different approach to Philip. He does see the possibility of resources uh, as the boy with the loaves and the fish turn up. Incidentally, the loaves, they... The uh, experts think weren't loaves as you might imagine them. They were uh, barley cakes, so they were, I guess, probably more like scones, and they were sort of cheap and cheerful food. Um, so he see, Andrew sees resources, but he's not convinced. He's like, how can this possibly work? So I've been asked if I could move to continue, so I've uh, moved just across Dawes Castle to the opposite side, uh, and let's continue. So um, we notice there's an abundance. Uh, there's a lot of bread it's not just that jesus feeds with adequate he feeds with incredible so much so that there are 12 baskets of leftovers from five barley cakes in the first place quite astonishing and, and you may well have come across the idea before that these 12 baskets are uh, on some level an ex uh, explanation of how jesus feeds the whole of Israel and this again is a reference back it's a it's a cross-reference to the Passover story in the Exodus account so in the wilderness um, God feeds his people with bread from heaven with manna and here Jesus is providing an abundance of bread again in the wilderness for the people of God Next, and almost last on my little list, uh, and both these last two points relate to this um, prophet that is to come. Uh, so I want to dip into um, Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 17 to 19. And so Moses says, The Lord said to me, What they say is good. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their fellow Israelites, and I will put my words in his mouth. He will tell them everything I command him. I myself will call to account anyone who does not listen to my words that the prophet speaks in my name. So this is 
a little exchange between Moses and God during the story of the Exodus. And in this story, God promises a prophet like Moses that will come in the future out of Israel. Now, this prophet will, like Moses, lead the people out of slavery and into freedom. So if you like, this is, this is an additional cross-reference point with Moses and with the story of the Exodus and the Passover. So John mentioning the Passover in verse 4 is no accident. He really wants us to pick up on something significant that has to do with that. It is worth noting, finally, that at the end of the passage, the people gather round him in great excitement, wanting to declare him king. And again, I think the patriotic fervour of Passover is part of what's going on here. There is a misunderstanding. There's a desire for a king. There's a desire for a prophet. There isn't, in the same way, uh, a commitment to believe. I don't think what we're looking at is changed hearts here so much as those who have been fed, who have recognised the similarity or the, the connection with the prophet that is to come and are looking for a leader of their own. So what might we take away from this passage? Well, first of all, we could notice that Philip and Andrew don't know what to do. They are struck by a situation that makes no sense to them. They're struggling. And it's worth us noticing that the first thing that Jesus encourages them to do and the first thing that we should do face with the situation outside of our understanding outside of our experience or maybe just something that just feels a bit overwhelming that the first thing we do is take it to Jesus not wait until it gets worse just go to Jesus straight up secondly as ever we're asking what kind of God what do we find out about God from this experience from this episode and I think we see that God is one who meets physical and spiritual need and I think that importantly takes us somewhere as well. So we don't need to go anywhere else when we feel lost or hungry or abandoned or uncertain or frightened or weary. Because Jesus has everything that we need so that he can meet our needs. Finally, this was the Jesus of the Passover. And that doesn't just mean look at the look at the parallels between the Passover story in this section it also means that we are reminded that John refers to Jesus as the Lamb of God so this Jesus is Lamb and leader and rescuer and provider and prophet and he is all those things in one place in one person and in one God let's pray Father, we give to you all of our needs. We thank you that you can be depended on to meet them. And we pray that we would be good at going to you early, taking our challenges, troubles and uncertainties to you and say, what do you do with this, Jesus? Give us the courage to do that and the trust to. Amen. Okay, then three questions. Number one, what physical 
or spiritual or emotional needs do you have right now? Question two, what have you got to bring to Jesus? Andrew only had somebody else. The boy had loads of fishes. Philip had uncertainty. What might you bring to Jesus and invite him to work with it? Question three, what's your experience of the wilderness? What's your wilderness right now that you need Jesus to lead you through? Well, that's it for this session. I look forward to catching up with you again soon. We're taking a break from John's Gospel for a bit. We'll be back to it, I think, probably in July. Uh, and next week we start a, a little sequence looking at what it means to be a member or a partner at Watch It Baptist Church. Take care. I'll see you soon.